You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Tommy's here. I'm here. Aaron's here. Uh, Two championship games to preview. I've got a smell test for the show today, but... um, I wanted to mention to you, Tommy, that uh, the radio show started this morning with Greg and I talking about the Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham Jr. stories from yesterday. Those that missed it, Odell Beckham Jr., who was um, very prominent on Monday night in the Superdome and in the locker room, first of all, handing out what was reported to be fake money initially to players on the field turned out to be real money. That could be an NCAA violation. And then in the locker room, uh, first of all, interrupting apparently Ed Orgeron's postgame speech, and then as the players were smoking cigars and a security officer came in concerned about the cigar smoking because apparently it wasn't something that was supposed to be done in uh, the locker rooms, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is on tape you know, basically ribbing the security officer and then slapping him on the butt. And so he's been charged with simple battery uh, for that. So then you had late yesterday Drew Rosenhaus dropping Antonio Brown as a client until, as Rosenhaus said, he gets counseling. So I asked Greg this morning if you could only, if you had to take one of them, Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham Jr., on the Redskins roster for 2020, which one would you take? I did a poll on that. I'll tell you the results in a moment. Who would both of you take? Well, I would take Odell Beckham because I think Antonio Brown is is more than just self-destructive. I think he would destroy everything around him, particularly the state he's in right now. I think there's a good chance that uh, a teammate could actually hurt uh, Antonio Brown. Uh, Odell Beckham, I think, is just uh, an inflated diva, uh, self-absorbed receiver. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I, I, to me, it's a no-brainer. I, I mean, I, I, Antonio Brown isn't even bought, getting a ticket to see my team play, let alone uh, be on the roster. I mean, I wouldn't have either one of them, but if I had to pick one, it'd be Odell Beckham. Yeah, I'm with Tom here. I think that while both of them are crazy, I think that Antonio Brown's not seeing the field. I think Odell Beckham, while he's diva receiver, he's inflated ego, he's crazy, and he's a problem in the locker room, he at least tries to play football. Well, I don't think that's the case with Antonio Brown anymore. Although Antonio Brown, for those years, and I think we said it on the podcast yesterday, Aaron, that Mike Tomlin should be canonized for how he managed that whole situation there with Antonio Brown. Because really what we thought of him during those years in Pittsburgh was that he was just a diva. I don't think we realized that he was mentally unstable, which he is. But I said this morning on the show, both of them are major problems. Both of them are major disruptions. Brown is the better player. Now, assuming he's eligible, that would be part of this conversation because he could get suspended for everything that happened uh, in Oakland and afterwards, um, You know, even what happened the other day. But assuming he's eligible, Brown's the better player. I would take Brown. The poll, 83.5%. Beckham Jr. and the rest Brown. So overwhelmingly the people that responded, over 2,000 people to the poll, said that they would do what you would do and that is sign OBJ. OBJ is, he's a massive disruption too. And by the way, a good player, 
Is he really a great player at this point? We keep thinking he's a great talent. Is he a great player? I mean, he wasn't in Cleveland this year. He wasn't in New York for the last couple of years, and I know they didn't have quarterbacks. I was going to say, he got open a lot. They just didn't throw to him. Okay. Um, Tough call, though. Tough call, either one of them, but apparently not for you two. Uh, Antonio Brown's got to get counseling. I mean, he. I, I'm. I, I fear for his, you know, his safety and the people around him. You're right about that. Uh, but if you were in, yeah. it, you know, but Beckham Jr. clearly um, a dummy of the highest order. I mean, he's a first rate idiot. Seriously, uh, can you imagine okay, what, well, what, well, what LSU's thinking right now? Though the fact, oh, it's great. Beckham Jr. is going to be on the sideline. Yeah, we'll give him a sideline pass, and then they end up with NCAA sanctions, and you get, you know, because he's handing money out, and you get him arrested in the locker room. Would you have either one on your team? No. Okay. No, 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 All no, right. no. Okay. <laughs> no, I was saying if you had to pick one. I know. I know if you had to pick one. That, that, was, that was the premise of it. Um, before we get to these football games, you know, last night Alex Ovechkin had a hat trick, and that's five goals now in the last two games for Ovi. And he moved up. Um, he passed Mario Lemieux last night for 10th all-time. He's got 692 career goals. He's only three away from ninth, five goals away from eighth, where he would pass Iserman and Messier for those two spots. You know that'll, that'll happen in the next week or two, probably. He became just the second player in, in NHL history, Mike Gartner the other, to score 30 or more goals in his first 15 NHL seasons. Um if he plays the next two years at his same productivity rate that he's been playing at, he's going to end up number two on the list behind Gretzky. And if he plays another four years the way he's played, he'll become more likely than not the all-time scoring leader, goal-scored leader in the history of the sport. I bring it up because I know you've had this conversation before on radio with various partners. I've had this conversation on radio and on podcasts with various people about the greatest single-team sport athlete in the history of this city. It's really not debatable, is it? It's Ovechkin. Well, it is debatable, Kevin. Because of Walter Johnson and Sammy and Ball? Sammy Ball. Of course okay. it's debatable. I'll tell you what, he's, he's in, in that conversation now more than ever before. And if he progresses, like, I mean, if you're going to say at some point when he's done, he's one of the top two or three greatest hockey players of all time, then, yeah, you could make the case. Because Walter Johnson still considered the greatest right-handed pitcher in the history of baseball. Yeah, you know, I what, mean, what, year, what years no were those? Longer... What years were those? Oh, I don't remember. Eighteen twenty to eighteen thirty. Uh-huh. I don't remember. But uh, Sam, don't 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 do that. Don't do that. Just see. I mean, <laughs> that, that that that's irrelevant. Yeah, I did. That's, it for, I did it for. I did it for irrelevant. you. I did it for you. Okay. He could and go Sam down. Ball as... is no longer in the conversation of greatest quarterbacks who ever lived but he is usually when you start ranking the top nfl players of all well, time he was on the nfl usually, 100 list yeah oh he's and very high usually in the top he was, 20 he was in the top 10 yeah have we not done so, this already the the the, the nfl yeah. 100 quarterbacks list so so my point is it, it is debatable and and people need to you know recognize that that the world started before they were born. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, this is, yeah. You know, but, but uh, look, I, I, two years ago when they won the Stanley Cup and everyone was ready to crown them, I dismissed it. 
I wouldn't dismiss it anymore so quickly. He's in that conversation, and particularly if he gets into the into the uh, Gretzky atmosphere, then he definitely is. If somebody's going to say to me, I think like two years from now, I think Ovechkin is the greatest athlete in the history of DC sports. I'd say, oh, well, I, I might agree, I might disagree, but that's 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 not a stupid position. I mean, I can't argue with that. So. I didn't intend to go in this direction um, off of this conversation. I, wh- whatever, you're right. You're right. Sammy Bond, Walter Johnson. All right, and and, Ovec- and Ovechkin. That's the list. Nobody else is close. That's that's the list. Okay. So um, I think I've talked about it with you, but maybe I haven't because you were you were uh, off there for a few weeks, and we took some days off too for for the holidays. I watched a lot of that NFL 100 show on NFL Network. It was really well done with Belichick and with Collinsworth and with Rich Eisen. And the quarterback show in particular was really good, really well done. And Sammy Baugh was one of the 10 quarterbacks that made the NFL 100 list. There were 10 quarterbacks on the team, and Sammy Baugh was the quarterback from you know the 30s through the early 50s, and then Otto Graham was on that uh, on the list too. He played from 46 to 56. Um, but it was such a well-done show, and it created, obviously, a lot of debate. But Sammy Baugh is still considered to be, you know, most recently with this list, a top 10 quarterback of all time. You know, and Ovechkin, yeah, I mean, Ovechkin's probably a top 10 player of all time, you know, maybe. Uh, this isn't an area of expertise for me, but I know in terms of a goal scorer, he's probably top five all time. I mean, he's he's in the conversation for best wing ever if we're going with, you know, Walter Johnson is the best pitcher ever. Alex right. Ovechkin is in the conversation for best wing ever. Yeah. I enjoy him because he's 34. How many great years does he have left? Yeah, I know. And this is this is this is a problem though, because now they they just resigned Backstrom to a contract extension. I mean, they're going to resign uh, Ovechkin. When they, I think his contract is up next year. You know, they're going to do that at some point. So, like we like we are like the next four or five years, uh, maybe the next four years, let's say, uh, are are the last years you're going to get Ovechkin and Backstrom together. And if you're the Capitals, you would think you want to you want to do as much as you can to capitalize on that, right? You know, but they're going to say goodbye at the end of this season to Braden Holpe. Yeah, and, but they put, but they uh, seem uh, to have a pretty good solution for saying goodbye to him. Yeah, I, but but you know what, Braden Holpe was just voted not to. I mean, one, one thing in, in the NBC Washington, uh, uh, one of the polls they did for the decade. I mean, the greatest play in, in, in D.C. sports history over the past 20 years was the save that yeah. he had. Uh, in Game against, 5 against Vegas. Vegas. Right. Yeah. And then, and then uh, I think that that was considered the greatest save just voted on in the NHL in, in, in the past decade. Uh, you know, so I what are you saying? That, Do you think the window's closing? I think it's a, it's a risky proposition to take the rest of, of Ovechkin's and Backstrom's years and put them in the hands of a, a very talented young rookie, Samanov, Samazov, or whatever his name is. Let me see if Samsonov. I, I pronounce yeah. Samsonov, yeah. And he's very talented. And by the way, he looks like the guy who would wait on, kid who would wait on you at McDonald's. He's so young. 
It's unbelievable. I was standing in front of him the other night, and he looks so so young. And he may be talented, but he's is is he is he Stanley Cup talented? Is he Stanley Cup tested? You have the guy in, in Holpe who is Stanley Cup tested. Don't you want more than one Stanley Cup <clears throat> to show for Ovechkin's era? And I mean, you know, they could say, well, we can't afford to, uh, like this, you know, because of the salary cap. The same argument the learners made about Rendon. Well, I, if it was me, I'd find a way to keep Braden Holpe because I want to make the most of the last few years I have with Ovechkin and Baxham. This is, this was why this, they were so foolish to kiss Barry Trotz goodbye and hand over the reins to uh, an untested NHL head coach, you know? Because mm-hmm. he may be a very good coach, but is he Stanley Cup is he Stanley Cup material coach? You don't know. You know, and and if they waste the last years of Ovechkin and Backstrom because they were too cheap, that's going to be stupid. Well, especially if, you know, Trotsy and the Islanders go on to win it, you know, and, and they're really good this year. I mean, the the Penguins are really good right right now. It's it's going to – I mean, whether you have Holtby or not, it's the NHL postseason. Like, <laughs> anything can happen. And I, I, I mean, thank God they won the one they got because Ovechkin's yes. legacy would forever be tarnished without it because yes. all of the great yes, ones in that sport have – NHL Stanley Cup um, championships. Um, anyway, uh, that was the conversation. That was the conversation that Trotz had with Ovechkin when he went to Russia before the start of that Stanley Cup season. Basically, he said, "Maybe be fair or not, but what people are going to say about you is what you haven't done, not what you've done." Right. You know the the I had Joe B on the show yesterday or the day before on radio and. I asked him the question about it's interesting about hockey with as physically demanding as the sport is a lot of the greats play well into their late 30s you know yeah. they they play until older ages so you know Backstrom's only 32 uh Ovechkin's 34 they, you know they still could potentially have 3 4 5 years left together yeah. of yes, being they, really yes, really they good can. I mean oh in, in Ovechkin I think you've hit the perfect storm of a guy whose talent may may have diminished with age a little bit, just a little bit, but his maturity level and his knowledge has risen significantly over the days where he was hell on ice and and by far the greatest thing you saw on ice. It's like the perfect storm of wisdom and talent and these are these may be the best years of Ovechkin's career, literally. Even though he's been better before talent-wise, you didn't have the wisdom and, and the maturity to go with it. And now that you've got that, he still has enough talent to be one of the best players in the game. No doubt. I mean, he, the numbers are proving it out. He He's in the process of, of putting together one of his best seasons ever. So, yeah. um, And the team is having one of its best regular seasons ever. Uh, anyway, um, staying on sort of the, um, the past greats, although Ovechkin's not a past great, but in, in talking about the past a little bit, did you see the NFL hall of fame, um, entrance for this, you know, centennial year class where they're putting in 20 people, 13, you know, four, you know, uh, seniors, 
um, ten players, two coaches, and three contributors, and then they'll have the five players. Um, so it's fifteen non-current players, and that Jacoby was left off that list for Jimbo Covert. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. I saw that. It's a joke, Tommy. I mean, I know it is. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, but I get tired of banging that drum. I really shouldn't. I should keep doing it for Joe. But I can't. I've, how many times I, have I written? That this is a travesty that Jacoby should be in the Hall of Fame. I bet you I've written it a half a dozen, half a dozen columns about that, uh, and it's 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 ridiculous that that he's he's not. I mean, and uh, you know, Jimbo Colbert over Joe Jacoby? No, I don't think so. No, you know, <laughs> no. I, that's the thing about that list. If Colbert wasn't on it, um, we would have said, "Oh man, come on, J- Jake should have been on that list." I mean. He had a better career than Harold Carmichael. He had a better year, uh, better career than Cliff Harris. But the fact that they put somebody at his position from the same era who didn't achieve what he achieved, numbers-wise, winning-wise, all-wise, really is galling. It's like they're really missing something here. Um, you know, a lot of the uh, – and I had this conversation yesterday and it got into a debate about Drew Pearson – Personally, you know, you, did you see the video of Drew Pearson being really upset, not getting in, sitting there waiting for the announcement? Yeah. I personally didn't yeah. think I, I didn't know if Drew Pearson was in or not in the Hall of Fame. I don't consider him like on first glance to be a Hall of Fame player. He was a really good player from that era. I'm very surprised even to this day that Cliff Branch isn't in the Hall of Fame. He was a player that had major impact. You know, he was a player that defenses truly had to game plan for. He's not in the Hall of Fame either. Um, but, uh, but anyway, um, there was a lot, a lot of conversation, uh, and follow up to that. Cause a lot of the Cowboy fans said, what were you watching? Drew Pearson was the best receiver of the seventies. And he wasn't the best receiver of the seventies. He's a good receiver. No, I, th- in the I, 70s. I think Drew Pearson, I think Drew Pearson is a hall of famer. I don't. Why do you I think do. he is? Well, because I just remember being, I just remember him being a clutch receiver uh, and a guy that, you know, if, if I was a Giants fan or an opposing player of the Cowboys, a opposing fan of the Cowboys, I hated because he would beat you more often than not. He would be the guy who would beat you. He was very good, very good player. I remember being on the wrong okay, side. Let, me, let yeah. me ask you a question. Yeah. Who would you rather have on your team, Drew Pearson or Terrell Owens? Oh, T.O. Tio was a much better player than Tio was a much but better wide you, receiver. Are you, are you talking? Who would you rather have on your team? Yeah, but but what's the relevance of that question? That's not a Hall of Fame question, is it? Well, yes, it is a Hall of Fame question. Why? How is it a Hall of Fame? I question? I mean, because people worship at the altar of Terrell Owens because of his numbers. But I'm sorry, if I bet you, if you ask nine out of ten quarterbacks, who would they rather have in the fourth quarter go get the ball? It'd be Drew Pearson. Yeah, I don't consider Drew Pearson to be in T.O.'s class as a receiver. I don't. Uh, in terms of who's a better dude in that's the locker room, the a, no, a, a better teammate, uh, yeah, Drew Pearson might be a better teammate. But if, if you told me i got to pick the best wide receiver of the two, it's hands down T.O. T.O. is one okay, of the greatest well, receivers was, I've ever watched play the that game. That wasn't the question. Who I, would you have on your team? I would have, I would, if I were trying to win Super Bowls, I'd have Terrell Owens on my team. Okay, I'd have I'd have Drew Pearson and Drew Pearson won, you know, more Super Bowls, yeah. um, than uh, well, than Tio. Ter- he was Owens also on much better teams. I'm sorry. 
Terrell Owens didn't win any Super Bowl. No, he did not. Um, no. Do you feel the same way about Cliff Branch the way I do? Not as passionately as you do, but yeah. Yeah, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, we both think Jake should be in the Hall of Fame over Jimbo Covert. Yes. As somebody um, sent me uh, a tweet yesterday that, that um, where is it? That you know he listed all of the all the numbers, which I had all the numbers, and then his last uh, his last comment was Covert spent half of his career watching Jacoby play in the Super Bowl, <laughs> which is true because yeah. you know, Covert had a very short career. Jacoby had a longer career, but when Covert was in Chicago on a defensive oriented team, the Bears, the 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 one title team they have is because of their defense, maybe the greatest defense of all time, and Jacoby was a part of the part of the team that really was the leading part of a team that that went to four Super Bowls and won three of them. Somehow Covert's in there before him. Anyway, uh, enough about that. I did want to correct something from yesterday. Um, I'm getting to that point where I'm forgetting things from from even years ago. Uh, So I apologize. I got this one way wrong. I talked about the Bears and the Redskins playoff games from from those years uh, in the 80s, and I told the story as I remembered it in the moment of Joe Gibbs wanting to run shotgun against the Bears in their in their 84 playoff game because the Bears in 84 had a great defense. You know, it was the first year where it was like, whoa, this defense is really good, and then they came back the next year and became the greatest defense of all time, but they were a great defense in 84 as well, and they beat the Redskins in the divisional round of the postseason at RFK, 23 to 19. And for whatever reason, I remembered it as the game in which Gibbs was actually going to run shotgun for the first time. But somebody leaked it that they were practicing it, and he decided not to do it in that game. That's wrong. He ran uh, the shotgun with Theismann five times in the first half of that game against the Bears. So he actually did it. I do think that I'm right about the story, Tommy, of him being very upset that somebody leaked that they were practicing it. It didn't matter. They sacked Theismann seven times in that game, and their defense uh, really was the key in, in beating the Skins that day. Do you remember anything about that or not? No, I don't remember anything about that. Okay. Uh, very good. You want to talk about the championship games on Sunday? Yeah, that would be a good idea. All right, let's do that after I tell you about uh, stamps.com. Most New Year's resolutions, they're hard to keep. Get more exercise, save more money, all of that stuff. I've got a resolution if you're a small business that's easy to keep. Stop wasting time going to the post office. Use stamps.com instead. With stamps.com, you can do anything you do at the post office right from your computer, and you can save big. It brings all of the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your computer, whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day. Stamps.com handles it all with ease. Simply use your computer 24 hours a day, seven days a week for any letter, any package, any class of mail. Send it wherever you want. Once your mail's ready, hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in a mailbox. It's that simple. Here are the savings you get with stamps.com. Five cents off of every first class stamp, but more importantly, 40% off 
priority mail. It's a no-brainer, saves you time, saves you money. 700,000-plus small businesses are already using Stamps.com. Give yourself a resolution you can actually keep this year. Stop going to the post office if you're a small business. Use Stamps.com instead. There's no risk. And with my promo code, KevinDC, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale with no long-term commitment or contract required. Stamps.com, click on the mic in the upper right-hand corner of the homepage, type in Kevin DC. that's K-E-V-I-N-D-C, Stamps.com, Kevin DC. All right, we got two championship games on Sunday, uh, Titans and Chiefs at Arrowhead, followed by 49ers and Packers, in Santa Clara. Uh, the Chiefs are a seven-point favorite. The 49ers are a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. I think most people really, after what they saw the Chiefs do last week, are thinking that the Chiefs are going to make the Super Bowl. I think people give Aaron Rodgers a chance. I actually have it the other way. I give the Titans a legit chance to win at Arrowhead. And really? I, yeah, and I don't think the Packers have much of a chance at all against the 49ers. That's the way I see it. How do you see it? Oh, I think the Chiefs are going to roll over the Titans. I just, I just don't think. Uh, I mean, if the Titans, I just don't think that Pat Mahomes can score, can score, can go down the length of the field in in one minute. You know, so it doesn't matter if they keep the ball out of his hands. At some point, he'll get the ball back, and within a minute or two. Uh, he can have that team down the field and in the end zone. So I just I just don't think the strategy of ball control, running the ball, keeping it out of Mahomes' hands is going to work because they're so quick strike. Uh, I do think that the 49ers are going to handle the Packers uh, pretty easily. Uh, I, although I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm in love with Aaron Rodgers again, just watching the way he plays. I mean, he just... Amazing to play, but the 49ers defense is 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 is, is really good. Uh, they have a they have a good running game. Uh, Garoppolo has proven to be a, a a a good under pressure quarterback for them in the moment. Uh, so uh, I agree with you about the 49ers. Uh, I think the Chiefs are going to roll over the Titans. Yeah, I. First of all, it would be a great Super Bowl, Chiefs 49ers. You know, pretty much the best team in the NFC for much of the year. And, you know, the second best team in the AFC. The Ravens, I think, were the best team. But um, it would be a really good Super Bowl to see Pat Mahomes against that defense. The Chiefs offense against the 49er defense would be a really good matchup in Miami um, for, for, for the Super Bowl. I think it's it's interesting. You you don't get this all the time, but we've seen both of these games this year. We saw Tennessee beat Kansas City in Week 10, 35 to 32. It was an odd game in that uh, the Titans only had 49 offensive snaps. They did have a defensive touchdown, but they scored 35 points on 49 offensive snaps, and Kansas City had 78 offensive snaps. It's very rare where you see in an NFL game one team basically get 30 more offensive snaps than their opponent, Um, and yet they lost the game. They lost the game with Patrick Mahomes throwing for 446 yards in the game. I mean, it was a a huge game for him. It was his first game back 
from injury. Um, you had in the game Derrick Henry rush for 188 yards on 23 carries. He averaged 8.2 yards per carry against the Chiefs. Um, that game was in Tennessee, in Nashville. This game's at Arrowhead, and they have a you know they have a very good home field advantage. Um, but uh, Tennessee beat Kansas City, and then we saw San Francisco and Green Bay um, in November as well. And this was a one-sided beatdown in the same venue that the game will be played on played at on Sunday in Santa Clara. I mean, this was one of the worst statistical games in Aaron Rodgers' career. He threw in the game for 104 total yards. 104 in the game. Got sacked five times. He only had 74 yards passing in the game midway through the fourth quarter and then had 30 on like a garbage time uh, drive late in the game. Think about that, Tommy. You know, typically when there's a one-sided ass-kicking, the opposing quarterback will, you know, will will end up with a statistical day that includes a bunch of yards because the other team right. with a thirty point lead isn't playing the defense the same way. Aaron Rodgers had seventy four yards passing midway through the fourth <laughs> quarter in that game against that Forty Nine er defense, and it was the last time before last week that the Forty Nine er defense was completely healthy. Um, they had in that game D Ford. They had. Um, uh, Alexander. They had uh, Tart. They were healthy in that game, and then they weren't healthy for like a month, and then they got healthy for the playoff game last week. We saw it. I don't know how we see something differently. Um, it's something different. The only way I see it, the 49ers losing this game is if Garoppolo gives it away. Like that. Yeah. That's the only thing that's possible to me. You know, Garoppolo throwing three picks, two or three picks, and you know, and shortening the field for the Packers, and they end up with a bunch of points off turnovers, which Minnesota had a ch- I mean, they only got one pick, but they had a chance for at least one other that they dropped. Um, yeah, I think I think the 49ers beat the Packers easily. I don't see any way the Packers, other than, you know, you just think about Garoppolo not playing well and Aaron Rodgers figuring it out, but that defense is really good. What about Kyle Shanahan choking in the big moment? Well, I mean, in that Super Bowl with the Falcons, yeah. you know, he yeah. probably should have run the ball um, yeah. and, and yeah. burned clock. I, mean, uh, I yeah, don't know. It's, it's, hard, it's hard not to forget that performance. Yeah, and, you know, the, the reason that you even talk about it is because his offense was so good to, yeah. you know, to generate a 28-3 to lead or whatever it was in the Super Bowl. That offense that year was incredible. You know, let's not forget that in the NFC Championship game that year, Kyle is the offensive coordinator in Atlanta. They destroyed Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in the NFC title game. You That's know, right. it was it like 44 to 21. I mean, they crushed them uh, in Atlanta. So um, I think this is a much better Packer defense, though, than the one they faced that particular year. I think the Packer defense is pretty good. So that's where you, you know, if you're a Packer fan, you're like, maybe we can force Garoppolo into a couple of those throws that are inaccurate and we, we hang on to him and we get three, you know, three picks and we score on one of them and the other two, you know, sets up, you know, points. I mean, that's, that's the way, that's the way the Packers, I think, would pull the upset here. Uh, but I like the 49ers. To me, they're the safest of the two favorites to win. I agree. I, I agree with you. I just think that... Uh, but you like the Chiefs I, big, I, too. I, yeah, I, I do. I just find it... i tell you why. Uh, 
I mean, Mike Vrabel would, would become a god if he turns around and he beats the Patriots on the road in New England, the Ravens in Baltimore, and then the Chiefs in Kansas City. I mean, my God. Be that, a hell of a that, run. That would be a remarkable run for, for that guy. Yeah, it would be. I think he's a good coach. I think he's got I think they got something going there and I mean, you know, you 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 picture what Kansas City did offensively against Houston and it's hard to get that vision out of your head and you just think to I mean, who can stop them? At the same time, every time Derrick Henry touches the ball, it's like a minimum of 5 yards. Yeah. Like yeah, so it's really hard is. it's it's hard to get that vision um, you know, out of your head as well. I mean, and you know we know this from the NFL more times than not. You know if you are if, if you can't if you can run the football effectively, um, you got a really good chance. They would be I think the third number six seed to reach the Super Bowl if they do it. The 2005 Steelers did it and won the Super Bowl, as did the 2010 Packers. You know both of the previous six seeds to reach the Super Bowl won the Super Bowl. <clears throat> um, I give the Titans a legitimate shot. I give them a legitimate shot. I'll get to the smell test a little bit later on, but I give them a legitimate shot to win the game. It's not going to surprise me if they go in and win. It would shock me if Green Bay wins uh, this weekend. Um, all right. Uh, Carlos Beltran fired um, before he even gets to uh, manage his first game for the Mets. Uh, so what, what, what's your latest thoughts on all of this? Well, I'm not surprised. I didn't think he would survive. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I, I think what you're, you know, what Rob Manfred hoped to do by acting so decisively with the, play, with the people he had control over, being, being management, was uh, to get his arms around this thing, as they say, and to contain it. But that doesn't seem to be what's going to happen. There's all these rumors going around. That about electronic devices that that uh, Jose Altuve was wearing under his uniform. Uh, nobody knows if they're true or not. According to the well, Major League Baseball's saying that there's no evidence, right? Um, that 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 story right. is true. But, right, but 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 other players are disputing that in in, in terms of like opposing players said there've been rumors about that. I mean, this is this is just this this is going to have a lot of legs for a long time. And I keep thinking about the players. I mean, if if this was a player-generated thing, for the most part, how this this idea that they're afraid to go after the players because they don't want to have to deal with the players' union and get this bogged down. I mean, look, I'm 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 a union guy. Okay, I believe in the power of unions. But there's this notion that, I mean, you want to make, uh, like, uh, professional sports leagues, unions, like they're the mine workers or, or steel workers. <laughs> right. It's a very, it's a very unique situation. Yeah. Because you have a competitive, I mean, you have people, you have union members competing against each other and competing for jobs against each other. So, I mean, so, Basically, if like the union would protect, let's say the Astro players who might be who might be disciplined for something like this, you know. Well, what about the union members who were damaged 
by the Astros players' actions. What about the union members on the Dodgers right. who lost money right. because of or this? the Yankees? I mean, yes, but what about their, what, what about protecting those members? That's what makes this so unique in terms of, of a union issue. That's the thing about steroids. About like they were so quick to you know to basically refuse to have strict testing in, in, when it came to uh, to uh, drug use in baseball. That was all the union. That stood in the way of that, but what what were they doing to help the players who didn't use drugs, who were being whose jobs who were losing jobs to the players who did, who were again losing maybe MVP awards to the players who did use you know drugs. So it's 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 a very complicated issue in terms of of the players' union, and I just think that you know when it's all said and done. Uh, I think the union is, is going to look look bad in all this for the, for for standing in the way of Major League Baseball going after the guys on on the Astros, the players on the Astros, who were the key members of of this scheme. This Jose Altuve thing, though, is really interesting because um, while baseball is claiming that there's no evidence that he and Alex Bregman, I believe, was the other player that was accused. Um, uh, on on Twitter yesterday by other players in the league of wearing yeah. electronic devices that would you know that they'd be they, that would help clue them into the pitch before the pitch would come and there, there's the story um, that came out yesterday that um, Altuve's walk off home run against the Yankees in Game Six this year you know to put them into the World Series to face the Nationals that as Altuve approaches home plate after that that home run, he clearly tells his awaiting teammates not to yank off his jersey. And when he was asked why during an on-field interview with Fox, he laughed and said, I'm too shy. Last time they did that, I got in trouble with my wife. Um, Yeah. So he did put out a statement saying, I've never worn an electronic device in my performance as a major league player. You know, if there was proof that he did, he should be banned from baseball. That would be that. Yes, that's yes. the only penalty that 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 Altuve you'd give Altuve. That's not that's not a suspended for a year or two years. That is a ban from baseball. If those players were wearing electronic devices inside their jersey, where they got beeped for you know one uh, one for a fastball, two for a curve, and three for a changeup. That is really cheating at a level that we've never seen before. Yes. Yes, it is. And how ironic would it be? You know, on Is Tuesday, it cheating at a level that we've never seen before, or is, or is performance enhancers worse? Like, I, well, I, I don't even I know. Think performance, I think PEDs are worse. Yeah. I, I, think, I think performance enhancers are, are, are worse. Uh, and speaking of which, on Tuesday, the Hall of Fame will announce the results of this year's balloting for this year's voting class. And how ironic would it be in the middle of all this cheating scandal that the, that the Hall of Fame, that the voters would then vote Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens <laughs> in the Cooperstown with, on the heels of all this. That would, be, that would be some pretty good irony there. And they may get in. They may get in. They may just fall short, but they also may get in this time. Who'd you vote for? Oh, I didn't vote for either of those guys. I... I voted for, uh, let me see if I can recall it now, Larry Walker, uh, Jeff Kent, Omar Vizquel, 
uh, um, I forget who else, Billy Wagner, and uh, I can't remember what who about the Jeter? other one was. And Jeter, obviously. Yeah. Jeter. Yeah, I think those were the five I voted for. I usually vote for ten. It wasn't a strong ballot, uh, so but I didn't vote for Bonds. I didn't vote for Clements. I didn't vote what for What about Sosa. Schilling? I didn't vote for Schilling. He's a borderline guy. I mean, he had a great postseason career, but but his uh, regular season wins, uh, you know, I mean, they're they're. I'd vote for Louis Tiant before I'd vote for Schilling to get in the Hall of Fame. So uh, no. But if he got again, you know, I'm not gonna like some of these freedom fighters who think they're fighting the good fight for these steroid guys, and and have voted, have said, I'm not gonna vote anymore because they're not letting the steroid guys in. I'm not going to throw a tantrum if guys who I don't vote for get in the Hall of Fame. That's that's just the, the will of, of of the electorate. I mean, if Bonds and Clements get in the Hall of Fame, that's that's the way it is. You know, you live with it. It's not who I would have voted for, but I'm not going to throw a tantrum about it like, like uh, some of these righteous baseball writers who have said, well, you know, I'm not voting anymore. I'm boycotting the voting. Like like a like a childhood temper tantrum. <laughs> if they get in, yeah. Yeah. Well, you well, know what? So, find find new voters then. I mean, yeah. Well, that's what they've done. That's what they've done. Actually, a couple of years ago, they uh, they basically came up with a formula that cut off a lot of the older voters uh, who uh, voted for the Hall of Fame, right? Which enhanced the chances of of, of the steroid guys. Well, if, I'll be real curious if, if either of those guys get in. Yeah, what the reaction will be come Hall of Fame induction day uh, on the stage? I think Derek Jeter would probably give them cover, but I've talked to a, I've talked to enough Hall of Famers, uh, and this could just be for bravado, who said they would not show up on on stage if Clemens or Bonds got in. Uh, yeah, I mean th- that that day comes down the road. The announcement comes when in a few in a few the, days. The announcement comes Tuesday. Tuesday. So in yeah. the midst of all this Astros stuff, it it might get yes. sort of uh, masked a little bit, but not really. I mean, if Bonds or or Clemens ends up in the Hall of Fame, it's going to be massive no, it, news. Actually, I mean, are actually, you, you're not but, predicting but, it, are but, you? No, but I, I think this is the closest they'll get. I think, and they they make it. I think they've only got two years left. Yeah, it, I think eventually they're they'll get in. Right now, it's tracking the wrong way for them. There, there's a tracker that kind of keeps track of these things. And right now, Bonds is at seventy three percent. Clemens is at seventy two percent, and all of and both of them usually drop with the late ones. Yeah, you got to need seventy five percent in order in order to get in. Uh, and I don't know how. I think they've got two years of eligibility left, or one year. Yeah, this is their eighth year on the eighth year on the ballot for yeah. both of them. Okay, so I think eventually they'll get in. I think once the pressure's on the last year or two that they're on, I think I think there'll be enough people that will basically wind up voting for them to get them in. I won't be one of them, but I just think it would be ironic that if they would get in on the heels of this Astros cheating scandal, that would, that that baseball would be getting what they deserve then. All right, uh, mybookie.ag. If you want to bet the championship games this weekend, college hoops all weekend, NBA, NHL, the Super Bowl, two weeks from Sunday, and you don't have a place to play, mybookie.ag is reliable. They've got the fastest payouts, best promotions, a very helpful 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week customer service team. 
any way you want to bet a game, straight bet, parlay, teaser, you want to bet futures, you want to bet in-game action, mybookie.ag has it all. And right now, if you join, mybookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, they'll give you an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. You go to mybookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC to activate the offer. Once again, that's KevinDC at mybookie.ag. All right, um, get to the smell test here in a moment. So, Tommy, the Redskins haven't played on this weekend in 29 years. I was thinking about this last night. You know, part of the Snyder era legacy is that he, you know, through his ownership, has essentially changed the way the Redskins fan base thinks about itself, feels about itself in the team, and really has changed the expectations. I mean, think about even at the end of the North Turner era, you know, it was still a fan base that thought it was a winner that was only, you know, seven, eight years removed from its last Super Bowl, that thought, you know, well, it's next year. We're going to be back to the way we were. You know, more than willing to support the team through thick and thin. You know, that feeling obviously has eroded over time. Most choosing to do other things with their time when they used to spend it on the Redskins. 21 years ago, the expectations were still very high. Now they're not. You know, the expectations are really low. That's been one of the results of this 20-year disaster of Dan Snyder owning the team. The whole, you know, expectation scope has changed. We as a fan base, I put myself into that category, we haven't thought about winning a Super Bowl in years. We barely even think about winning a playoff game. Uh, One reason could be we haven't. In 14 years, it's been. 14 years ago, this team last won a playoff game. So Snyder's effectively changed the game here in D.C. from thinking like a winner, feeling like a winner, and expecting a winner to chronic you know, hopelessness, chronic feeling of defeat. Um, and that's where it is right now. With that said, I think the last two and a half weeks for some – This one voice, one direction Ron Rivera promise by Snyder has made people think once again that, hey, it's possible here in the next five, six, seven years, whatever it is, that they could be, you know, playing in the postseason this late into the postseason. I feel that that's much more probable than than it has been over the last five, six years. You don't, do you? No, I, I think it's 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 more probable than it was when Jake Gruden and Bruce Allen were there. Of course, I do. Do I think that uh, something will get in the way? Named Dan Snyder and the aura of self destruction. Of course, I do. But I mean, those two things can both be both be the same. They can be good. They can be competitive, and they can be self destructive. The Cowboys have been good and competitive and self-destructive. Well, the Redskins can do that same thing. They can win 10, 11 games. The Cowboys do it. And look what happens. It's the same thing. It's the same model. So I think both things are the same. I think you're right. They, 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 the probability certainly goes up with the absence of, of Gruden and Allen and the presence of Ron Rivera. Yeah, I, I, um, I mean... It's hard if you're if you're a longtime fan. It's hard not to at least feel like 
you got something you asked for. You know, two and a half, three weeks yeah. ago, you wanted yeah. Bruce out, you wanted front office people out, you wanted the coaching sa- staff swapped, and Bruce Allen's out, and key people that have been close to Snyder over the years are out, and you hired a coach that really was, um, you know, an, an example of overachieving on the hiring front. Most people would say that about Ron Rivera. And you got a Jack Del Rio and a defensive coordinator. And the one guy that, you know, was in the organization that people think is talented, Kyle Smith, gets elevated. Um, you've got an owner who is, you know, got so desperate that he said, we're going with this coach centric model. It's one voice, one direction, and it's Ron Rivera. And I think right now the indication is it is for now Ron Rivera's show. So, you know, yes, th- that, I would agree. That result makes me more optimistic that sometime, you know, uh, during the Ron Rivera era, let's say it lasts, you know, five years, um, that sometime, five, six, seven years, sometime during that stretch, that he's going g- to give them a chance to play, you know, uh, on this weekend. I mean, they haven't done it in 29 years. They've barely played on the weekend before. That's only happened a couple of times. Um, I do think, and I think I said this to you last week, that at the very least, you know, what Joe Gibbs did here with Snyder and Vinny here, getting to the playoffs twice in four years, you know, Ron Rivera is going to give him that chance at the very least. That kind of success. I, I agree with that. Did you hear uh, uh, Scott Turner's conversation with the media? I did. Okay. I got to ask you a question. Okay. Here's some quotes from Scott Turner. He was asked about uh, the key for developing young quarterbacks. Quote, you've got to be the most committed guy in the building. Your teammates have to see that. The coaches have to see that because that's how you develop trust, and that's how you develop leadership. If you're the last guy in, first guy to leave, you don't have a mastery of the offense at quarterback, and you try to tell somebody else what to do or try to step into a leadership-type role, it is not going to work, and no one is going to listen to you. Right. Was he talking to you when he said that? <laughs> Me? Yeah. Um, I don't think so. I don't. Was he, was he talking to me? I don't think he was talking to me. No. Was he Was he talking to Dwayne Haskins? Is that what you meant to ask? <laughs> uh, maybe. What do you think? Um, you think he was talking to Colt McCoy? I, I I think that he I think he's he's talking to Dwayne Haskins, but I think he he also came with the perspective and the part that you didn't read because it wasn't a part of that quote. It was a part of an earlier quote. Is that he's been in a building, in an NFL building with rookie quarterbacks, with very young quarterbacks before Teddy Bridgewater in Minnesota and Cam Newton, you know, in Carolina, and and he's got some experience with understanding what kind of you know, uh, attitude, what kind of work ethic, you know, will work with, with, uh, within the, the, uh, within an NFL locker room. So I, you know, here's the thing. So so in other words, the glove just happens to fit by accident. You're saying, I mean, everything he brought up here were criticisms about Dwayne Haskins. We heard this year, including his speech to the offensive line. On the side yeah, very early on. We they, heard different as the they, season when, went on. When they all couldn't care less what he had to say. You don't think Scott Turner was aware of that and heard about that or saw that? So this just happens to be a coincidence. 
Well, you know, I don't have the quotes in front of me. I was just looking for them. For whatever reason, they're not up on the on the team's website anymore. They were yesterday, and now they're not. I don't understand that at all. But um, he also talked about uh, designing an offense to fit Dwayne's strengths. He also talked about in his interview with Ron Rivera that you know he came up prepared with a plan, you know, for Dwayne Haskins. Like there was a lot in there that I heard from Scott Turner that made me um, think, well, you know, right now the plan is for Dwayne Haskins. But I think I think a lot of that might have been directed towards Haskins, you know, on the commitment front. I think part of it he was speaking to his experience with other young quarterbacks in Minnesota with his father and in Carolina um, with Cam Newton as well. Um, but I also believe that a lot of that stuff that we heard about Dwayne Haskins – was then updated by people like Chris Thompson and Adrian Peterson and Bill Callahan and Kevin O'Connell, you know, towards the end of the season as he got much better on the field. We saw that. It was continuing to progress. And then we heard things from those guys saying, you know, the giant game was sort of a wake-up call, that he wasn't prepared for that particular, you know, relief appearance, you know, early in the season and that he's very competitive and he didn't want it to happen again. And from that moment on, he became a different player in terms of the way he prepared. And then when he got the starting job, he really, you know, dug in and he's really become, you know, committed to this thing in the way that a pro needs to be committed. So I think we heard some of that late in the year about a young player who I think entered into a very difficult situation to begin with, with Jay Gruden not wanting him to be there, with, you know, the media basically saying, you know, and and the team saying, oh, he's nowhere near ready to play. I mean, they criticized him at every opportunity they got. Leaks coming out of the building. I, I think the whole thing was bad for him. But my point, I guess, is that was the early narrative. I think it changed at the end of the year. Okay, so you don't think it's a character flaw that the guy didn't walk into the building wearing number seven, I might want to point out, yeah, with that attitude right from the start. Um, is it a character flaw? Uh, yes. I, th- I think work, work, ethic, it, uh, work ethic, certainly, if you don't have it, is a flaw. I don't know if that it's a character flaw. Um, you know, but I think you can learn work ethic. I think that you can be taught how to work and how to prepare. And my guess is, is that he came in as a quarterback that had started one year in, in an urban Meyer system that was very quarterback friendly. And he had to learn what it would take, what kind of work it would take, what kind of preparation it would take to be an NFL quarterback. I don't know that it's a character flaw. I think it's, it was a flaw. That can be, you know, okay. worked on and improved on. Okay. All right. That's all I got to say. That's all you got to say. That's all I got to say. You know, just just an you know just an accidental generic reference. No, I don't think. You know? I'm not saying I didn't say it was accidental. All right. Okay. You know what? I'm done with you today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of you today. I'm tired of, of Aaron today. I'm tired of myself today. Um, I got a smell <laughs> test to finish up the show. You can go or you can hang on. I, you can hang on. You know I'm kidding with you, sort of. No, I don't. I, I want to get out of here. <laughs> I, I, have, I have important things to do. Uh, what are you doing today? What am I doing today? Yeah. Going to the cigar store and, and smoking the cigar. Uh-huh. 
I got nothing going on today. <laughs> I want um, this weekend. <clears throat> I want to see that movie, nineteen seventeen. I've heard it's great. I would think that that's a movie you want to see. Yeah, I want to see it too. Uh, but uh, I, I don't you think see I'll it, be Aaron? going to the movies. I didn't see it, but I think both of you would also like. I saw Uncut, Ge- I saw Uncut Gems last weekend. You told me about that. That is the um, that's the Sandler. Adam Sandler thing. Yeah, about it's about a gambler, right? Yep. Uh, is that on Netflix? No, it's a Netflix no. produced movie, but it is out regularly. Okay, so I got to go to the theater to see that. Yes. If I if I go to a movie this weekend, I'm going to go see 1917 first. If I because I don't go to a movie theater that much. If I go, I'm going to go see 1917. I also heard that this Aaron Hernandez thing on Netflix is so good. But that's like a three-hour commitment, apparently. And let me point out, and I know nobody agrees with me about this, this is part of the vulture culture that we're in these days. We're going to pick the bones of Aaron Hernandez and make money off it. Yeah, We're still making money off Denise Brown uh, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, Ronald Goldman. You know, I just think that this is part of the vulture culture created by Nancy Grace that passes for entertainment these days. Do you know, I don't know if I was listening to something um, on Howard Stern that was recent or it was old. I I can't tell you that. Um, But Kim Goldman was a guest on Howard's show. I think it was in the last year or two. I could be wrong about that. And she told a story that was amazing. She was in a parking lot walking out of a grocery store or some retail store and O.J. Simpson, so it had to be in recent years because obviously he was locked up until recent, you know, recently. And O.J. Simpson was getting into a car like less than 50 feet away from her. Wow, that's chilling. And she, <laughs> you know, she talked about how, you know, she had a lot of thoughts in the moment. But, you know, what was she going to do, you know, uh, in, in that particular spot? But the the randomness of, of, of Kim Goldman, you know, and that family being, you know, tormented uh over the years um and actually running into uh he she said that oj did not see her but he she she stared him down and you know thought for a moment about going uh, you know going after him but but didn't she said she sort of froze in the moment but couldn't believe it that oj had pulled up in the same parking lot or was in the same parking lot all right i'm done i'm done with you go enjoy the cigar bar i'm gonna finish the show up with the smell test and move on myself thanks All right, boss. All right, have a good day. Tom Lavero, everybody. Let's finish up the show with the smell test. Kevin looks where the John Q public is putting their cash and does the opposite. It's It's time time for for the the smell smell test. test. So on the radio this morning, I said I was five games under 500. I'm actually six games under 500. I thought it was five. I'm six games under 500. Aaron, at one point this year, I was 26 games above 500. That's a massive turnaround. Yeah. When I was up 26 games over 500, I knew it would come back. You know, I knew when I was hitting it, you know, 70% or whatever it was at that point, that it would end up in the 50s somewhere by the time we got to the end of the season. I did not think that there was a chance that I would end up having my fourth losing season in 14 years of doing this on radio and on podcast. But that's what we're headed towards because six games under 500, the only way to get back to even or to 500 record-wise is to have every total on every side in the three remaining games. Or play the Pro Bowl. Oh, that's right. We could still do the Pro Bowl. (laughs) 
Still, do the, I doubt. I doubt I'll do the Pro Bowl. I've never done the Pro Bowl. Last week one and two, I had Green Bay as a winner, Houston as a loser, and Baltimore as a loser. The Baltimore game is aggravating because it's one of those games where, um, you know, from an analysis standpoint, I thought Tennessee matched up well, and I thought they had a really good shot. But the public played Tennessee last weekend, so I took Baltimore and laid the ten, and it was never close. Um, yeah, six games below 500. I've got three plays this weekend. The public's on Kansas City seeing what they saw last weekend. They think Kansas City will roll. I'll take the Titans plus seven. Also, given all the points that were scored in the Kansas City-Houston game, the public likes over 52.5. I'll take under 52.5. And, and then in the NFC Championship game, I don't like a side. I'd lean San Francisco, but I'm not playing that. The, the game's pretty much split in terms of, of the public betting. Um, they're, they're playing the over in that game, though. Uh, people like over 46.5. Um, I'll take under 46.5 in Packers 49ers. You know, the first four games of this postseason were all unders. In, uh, in wild card weekend, you had Houston-Buffalo that ended up being an under game. Tennessee-New England was an under game. Um, Minnesota-New uh, Orleans was an under game. Uh, Eagles-Seahawks. All four of the wild card games went under the total. Then last weekend, the first two games, San Francisco-Minnesota-Tennessee-Baltimore, they went under. And then finally... In this postseason, you got two overs with KC Houston sailing over the total. And I leaned over on that game last week on the podcast. Didn't give it out. I should have. Uh, and then Seattle Green Bay went over the total as well. I've got two unders Sunday. Um, so there they are. Three plays. Titans plus seven. Under in both games. Uh, that would get me to three games below 500 if I hit all three. And I'm not going to, I'm going to, I've got a losing season all wrapped up. Uh, for the fourth time in 14 years of doing this. Ten winning seasons. Next year it'll be ten winning seasons, four losing seasons in the history of the smell test. Uh, Who do you like this weekend? Uh, I am leaning Chiefs and 49ers right now. I'm not totally convinced on the 49ers. I I might take a closer look at that, but those are where I'm leaning right now. You know, the first game, to me, the key to this game is that Tennessee understands going in, they just have to do what they did against New England and Baltimore, and that is run the football, take shots when they have them. And in this particular game, more likely than not, they're going to have to score more than they scored You know, in the, those two games. They're probably going to have to score 30-plus. I think they can in this game. They already did it once against the Chiefs. They scored 35 the first time. There was one defensive touchdown uh, in that game. Uh, I think it was a fumble return for a touchdown. Um, that first game, uh, I, I think I mentioned it earlier, I believe I did, uh, Kansas City ran 78 plays to just 49 for Tennessee. Uh, Derrick Henry was incredible, 188 yards, 23 carries, 8.2 yards per carry. Um you're going to see Tannehill take some shots in this game like they did uh, in the Baltimore game last week when they had the fourth down stop and they went with you know heavy tight end personnel, three tight ends, one back, and they threw it deep to that guy, uh, Khalif Raymond. Khalif Raymond's got 10 catches on the year, 21.5 yards per catch. Had a big one, a 52-yarder against the Chiefs the last time they played. I think you will see Tennessee take some shots. I also think Tennessee's defense is going to pose a much uh, more difficult challenge for the Chiefs offensively. They've got 
two very good safeties in Bayard and, and Vaccaro. And one of those two is going to have to check Kelsey and take him out of the game a little bit. Hard to do. Uh, I think Tennessee's got a shot to win the game outright. I'm going to play them plus 280, 290, whatever it is on the money line. Um, to me, as I mentioned earlier, the Packers win if Garoppolo throws up all over himself. That's like the only way I could see it happening. Uh, I think the the 49ers win, you know, something like 20, like they did last week. It's a 27-10, 27-13 kind of a game um, where they never sweat it. But I could see Tennessee winning, you know, 31-28, 34-31, something like that. Uh, wouldn't surprise me at all. All right. Um, that's it for the day. You got anything else? Did we miss anything? Any breaking news while we were on the air? Nope. Uh, nothing big has okay. happened. Uh, have a good day. Have a good weekend. Back on Monday.